1: be self-evident that all men are created equal that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights that among these are life liberty and the pursuit of happiness that is directly from our declaration of independence and how many of you knew i mean that was something i didn't know that 24, half of the founding fathers of this nation had theologic degrees. They were theologians. They, they, they were ministers. They were, they, they, I did not know that. I knew that our country was built upon Christian principles. I knew that the foundation of this country had God all over it, but I did not know that the founding fathers of this nation were actually men of God. Not half of them. I did not know that you learned from kids and some of y'all are probably you know that was your first time hearing that as well but my question to you is and we'll have this up there i want you all to do me a favor if you have a mobile device go ahead and break it out because this is going to be the time i'm going to ask you to use it we're going to have a little fun as i read that short little passage of our declaration of independence i want you to think about this question that i'm going to ask you And then I want you to send me a text message. And, you know, I won't say who sent me what text message. It'll be anonymous. Only I will know who sent it if I have your number. But here's the question, and it's a simple question. What does freedom mean to you? What does freedom mean to you? There's no right or wrong answer. I just want to know. What does freedom mean? mean to you? Is it political? Is it religious? Is it economical? What does freedom mean to you? And it may take a while for me to get him starting to get some here. Someone said choices. Someone else said serving his freedom. Choices, the ability to make choices, the ability to be yourself, be comfortable in your skin, in your skin, the ability to flow in your gifts. Somebody's deep. I like that. I like that. The ability to make choices. Anyone else? I believe, and you can keep texting. I'm just going to keep on talking here. Let me tell you what I think freedom is. Here's another one. Learning who I am in Christ is freedom. Ooh. We got some deep folk here. I love it. I love it. Here is what freedom is for me. I'm going to be very practical. Freedom to me is worry-free. About anything. About how I'll eat. About where my kids go to school. About if someone will attack me and will I be protected. Protected. Uh, the ability to live wherever I want. If I want to live in a certain neighborhood, I don't have to ask permission. I can just, if I have the finances and the resources, I can live there. If I want to pray out loud for somebody, I don't have to worry about being persecuted or arrested or asked to, to, to go somewhere else and do that privately. That's freedom for me. But can I tell you, we live in what the world views as the freest if that's a word for the educators, correct me later on, in the most free nation in the entire world. But we are not absolutely and actually free. There was a time, my brothers and sisters, where it was okay to have prayer in the school. Now, I grew up in upstate New York, and I remember being in elementary school We would say the Pledge of Allegiance, and then we would say a prayer after that. Now, I didn't go to Catholic school or anything like that. I just remember them including God in the pledge. I remember after we said the pledge, we said a prayer, and that was public school in upstate New York. Some of you have similar stories, but now uh, you can't pray for a child in school. As a matter of fact, if a group of kids gather together, if they assimilate, and it looks like they're praying, they will be asked to stop. And in some instances, it's newsworthy because parents begin to complain. Parents who don't believe in the same God that you and I believe in. My brothers and sisters, our liberties are being snatched from us right beneath our eyes, right in front of us, actually. And we're not doing anything about it. Sure, we can live wherever we want to live, and we can, we can eat amongst people who don't look or act like us. We can, we can choose the religion of choice in this country, but we can't be public about it if we're Christians. We have homosexuals, and I have nothing against my homosexual brothers and sisters who fight a good fight, who, who stand upon these, these, these firm beliefs of, of, hey, all right, everybody equal, but as soon as a Christian says, well, let me pray, or I don't agree with what you're saying, oh, let's condemn them, and we have to sit on our hands and not do anything about it, and many of us do. And I'm not trying, please understand this. I'm not trying to turn this into a us against them thing because it's not. I love everybody because Jesus first loved me. And if you look up sinner at one point, not now, but like back in the day, my picture was there. You say sinner, and there I was. You know, or you know. Can I tell the truth? But they removed my picture, and now I see some of y'all up i we're <laughs> we all sinners. But here's what I'm saying. I'm not trying to turn this into an us against them. But what I am saying is our rights... Yours and mine, those who are believers, people in this country who call themselves Christian, then yes, I will say this, and I hope everybody listening to the podcast hears it. This country, the United States of America, is a Christian nation. However, you are free to worship however you please. But this country, as you all just heard those children say, was built upon Christian foundational principles. This is a Christian nation. And I get so tired of seeing it on the news or anywhere else where people say, this is not a Christian nation. It is a Christian nation, but we are allowing those people who are not believers to change the foundational stuff that this country was built upon. Sure, we enjoy the liberties that we get to work and live wherever we want, but what about our liberties as Christians? Our people, certain people, African-American people fought for the right to vote back in the day. But now we, Christians, are almost becoming oppressed people. And are we fighting for our right to pray for our children in our school? Do you know that if you go to the school and you want to pray for your own child, you could be asked to go somewhere else privately and do that? Your own baby? That's a problem on my watch. But, 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 but let you do something to discipline your child that they don't agree with. They're all up in your business. We, Christians, are becoming oppressed in a Christian nation. That's kind of crazy, is it not? It's becoming a, a place where, 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 where non-believers, people who don't believe in God at all, is the highest growing, is the largest growing and fastest growing denomination of, of, of believers. See, if they don't believe in, in, in God, they believe in something. They believe in themselves, right? Or they believe in science. It's the fastest growing population. Of people right now in this country, we are on the brink of losing everything that is familiar and free to us. We live in this nation where we have all of these freedoms, but here's, here's here's what happened because we have so much freedom in our choices and so much freedom in this nation to go to school wherever we want, to do whatever we want to do almost within the laws. And they're kind of loosening those up because we can carry guns just about anywhere we go except for the courthouse. They're going to protect themselves. You know that, right? <laughs> and on the plains, we have all of these freedoms. And all of these freedoms has caused us to remain sinners. Really, this is one of those conversations I'm going to have with you all the day that, that's going to make you kind of move a little bit in your seat. But don't worry, we'll still be friends in the end because I'm going to feed you. I'm going to give you word, but I'm going to give you some food today. What is freedom to you? I want to share something about this liberty in this country. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal and they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. That among these, among those rights are life, liberty, that's freedom, and the pursuit of happiness. Life, a free life. And the freedom to pursue your happiness, however you see. That's what they're saying contextually here. I want to share something with you written by a well-known pastor, Dr. Bob Moorhead. It's a lot of reading, but listen, you're going to love it. You will catch it. And then I want to talk about this for the rest of this time we have together. These next 25 minutes or so, I promise you, only 25 minutes. I'm I'm telling the truth. Here we go. This is what he says. Listen, if you will. The paradox of our time in history is that we have taller buildings, but shorter tempers, wider freeways, but narrower viewpoints. We spend more, but have less. We buy more, but enjoy less. We have bigger houses and smaller families, but more conveniences, but less time. We have more degrees, but less sense. More knowledge but less judgment. More experts yet more problems and more medicine but less wellness. We drink too much. We smoke too much. Spend too recklessly. Laugh too little. Drive too fast. Get too angry. Stay up too late. Get up too tired. Read too little. Watch too much TV and pray too seldom. We have multiplied our possessions but reduced our values. We talk too much and love too seldom. And hate too often. We've learned how to make a living but not a life. We've added years to life not to life not life to years. We've been all the way to the moon and back but have trouble crossing the street to meet a new neighbor. We conquered outer space but not inner space. We've done larger things but not better things. We've cleaned up the air but polluted the soul. We've conquered the atom, but not our prejudice. We write more, but learn less. We plan more, but accomplish less. We've learned to rush, but not to wait. We build more computers to hold more information, to produce more copies than ever, but we communicate less and less. These are the times of fast foods and slow digestion. Big Ben and small character steep profits, and shallow relationships. These are the days of two incomes but more divorce, fancier houses but broken homes. These are the days of quick trips, disposable diapers, throwaway morality, one-night stands, overweight bodies, and pills that do everything from cheer to quiet to kill. It is a time when there is much in the showroom window and nothing in the stockroom. A time when technology can bring this letter to you and a time when you can choose to share it or delete it. He was speaking specifically about the Christian here in the land of the free and the home of the brave in America. And the scripture I want to share with you today, which is going to be the thing that we talk about, and I hope that that, that that resonated with you as we talk about what freedom means to you, that little writing. And there's much more to it. If you can find it, it's Dr. Bob Moorhead. Uh, it's called The Paradox of Our Time. If you want to read the rest of it, it's pretty long, but it's, it's very, very good read. Read it. He's speaking. Matter of fact, this was written in the 90s, I believe. So this is, this is long ago, before text messaging was, like, popular, if you will. And, and, he, and he wrote this, and, and nothing has changed. Here's the thing. All of these freedoms we have in this wonderful country allow us to make decisions that benefit us. It's so easy to see what my neighbor is doing, what my coworkers doing, what my family members are doing, what, what everybody else is doing, and desire to do that or greater And here's what happens in that. Here's what happens in that. Envy occurs. And oftentimes we do things that hurt God, but in our minds help us. We hurt God by making certain decisions, but help us in our minds. We feel good in that moment about the decision we've made. We feel good in that moment because there's a quick reward. But in the end, we hurt God if it did not line up With his will and purpose for our lives. See, here's the thing. When we allow our desires to become the controlling force in our lives, then we create a war between God's will and our will. And at the end of the day, my prayer is that we all try our best, try with every fiber in our bodies to line up with God's will. Because when we are under God's will, there is no worry. And then and only then can we be independent on God. Then and only then. But outside of his will, we can pretend we're dependent. We can say prayers that are pity-pat prayers. God, I need you. God, help me. I need you here. But we are if, not, if we're not lined up with his will for our lives, we are out of order and can never be independent upon him because we're not lined up with him we're not yoked with him here's a scripture reading for today the and then i want to give you some notes and then we're out of here we're going to go grub ready i want to talk about repentance freedom here's i just got a text uh, i like this one i want to share that one the opportunity here's what freedom is to somebody in a room the opportunity to move by your own vision Without the influence of others, mm, that's that's perfect transition to where we're getting ready to go. Here's four steps I want to share with you to repentance according to James. But let me read scripture. If you have your Bible, it's in your notes as well. I want you all to jump with me to James four. Yeah, y'all haven't seen me hold this in a while, so I figured I would use it today. I forgot what it feels like to use this in service since I print out the notes, right? So I broke out my Bible. Actually, it's my wife's. Mine is a little bit more beat up. Okay, here we go. James 4, and I'm going to read verses 7 down to 10, and then I'm going to tell you what happened before this. But I want to read that part because that's going to be the focus and foundation of where we're going to go and where you're going to draw your notes from today about repentance. Here we go. James 4, verse 10. It says, So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come close to God and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy humble yourselves before the lord and he will lift you up in honor when i read that it hurt it hurt because i read that and as i read that i had to look at me we're all sinners right regardless we are all sinners sometimes we might tell a little white lie right some of us, like, get that extra plate that we shouldn't have. That's called gluttony. That's a sin according to the Bible, okay? Some of us, you know, we, 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 we're dishonest about some things. And it's sometimes it's little white lies. You, don't, you tell somebody you're going to do something and you don't want to do it. And, and what do you do? Say, oh, man, my belly hurt. I can't make it today because you wanted to watch World Cup or your favorite show. Or you were running late because you waited to the last minute to leave the house. But you say, you know what? It was, traffic was crazy and the, there was no cars out on the road. I'm talking to a few people this morning. We're all sinners. And each sin is the same. Look at the same. So when I read this, that hurt. He called me a sinner. He says, wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Is it not very difficult? I think in all of us, we have this thing inside of our hearts to want to do good. I don't think anybody in here wants to be a bad person, right? If you do, thank God you're in the right place. I'll lay hands on you later and we'll fix it. But here's the thing. We all have good in our hearts. We all have a desire to do good, but we're in direct and constant competition with the world. There was a time when television cut off. Now it plays 24 hours. There was a time where if you are a sports fanatic, you had to wait till they did the sports part of the news. But now they got 24-hour n- sports news. That's, that's part of the world. Yeah, but that's just sports. That's not sin. I'm not saying it's sin, but what could you be doing with that time? We have DVRs. We got TiVo. Is TiVo still around? Somebody hit me. I'm, I, I, that's outside of my, my finances. TiVo still around? Okay, cool. You know, we got that stuff so we don't miss our programs. But what could we be doing with our time that would honor God instead of making sure we record our show to watch it? What could we be doing? Could we be, and I don't want to get over religious. Could we be reading our Bible? Ooh, ooh, that's ooh. Could we be spending time with our families? Could we be praying? Could we be serving? Could could we be working on that vision that God gave you to do something for some homeless people? and you thought that it was impossible for you to do because that's just outside of your degree, that's outside of what you're comfortable with, that's outside of your experience, could you be actually sitting there and begin just just fantasizing about what it's like to go ahead and do that nonprofit that God birthed in your heart? What could you be doing that you're not doing with your time? And that's a constant battle with Christ and the world. I, I, I want to do everything right. I want to I I behave right. I want to believe right. But I'm struggling with this worldly stuff that just is so much easier and so much more fun. Right? It's not easy being a Christian. It's not being a, easy to be anybody of great faith. But here's what it is. Here's what I know. The only freedom you'll ever experience without any hindrance, without any problem will be that freedom that you find in an authentic relationship with Christ. But let's talk about repentance because we're all sinners and I want us all to repent about some things. And, 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 and that word repentance is so religious and it always is attached to sin. But, you know, you can repent for, for, for habits you perform. You can repent uh, uh, regarding decisions you've made, you can repent about about just certain things in your life. It doesn't have to be always tied to deci- uh, sins. Maybe maybe your repentance happens with 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 some some bad habits you have right now that you just need to offer to God, and that's and and that's what repentance means. We're gonna talk about what it means. So here it is, your first note. I'm gonna give you four steps. The four steps of repentance according to James, right? Here's the first one. Like I said, 25 minutes. Here we go. Give me 10. I got 10 left. Here we go. Four steps of repentance according to James. Number one, humble yourself before God. Humble yourself before God. Before we can even think about being completely independent with God, completely relying on him, we need to get some stuff out of the way and repent of some things. And the very first step is to humble yourself. Now, some, some, some translations will say submit to God. And I, and I would offer or suggest that it's almost the same thing, almost, not quite. Humble yourselves. What does that mean? It means to yield to his authority and will. It means to commit your life to him and his control and be willing to follow him, watch this, wherever he commands. Ooh, that's tough for some people. That's tough. Where he commands is not just location. It could be also related to career. Where he commands is not just tied to a destination, it could be where you are right now and what he wants you to do in your life. Maybe he's asking you to take the next step, uh, maybe he's asking you to go ahead and take the next step and be baptized, or the next step and become a member of a church somewhere, or the next step in your ministry and say, You know what, I'm gonna accept the call and be uh, an elder or a pastor or whatever it is. It could just be the next step, but go where he wants you to be that doesn't necessarily mean location it could really be where you are right now in life and where he wants you to go next humble yourselves before god submit to him and his control here's the other thing about humility bowing in humility before the lord it simply means recognizing that our worth comes from him and him alone and see, what has happened here in this land of the free and the home of the brave, far too often we've let the world define our worth. And it's men and women alike. We've let the world define our worth. We've let our bosses say you are only worth fifty to $60,000 a year, so that's all you're worth. We've let our schools say you are only worth this degree and that is it. We've let our spouses, or if you don't have a spouse and you're in the dating world, we've let those we date define our worth. We've let our peers define our worth. And it's just based upon what they say. But I want to tell you something right now. The world can't define your worth. Only God can because he made each and every single one of us unique when he made you, he ripped up the plans. He says, I'm not going to make another one like her. When he made you, he threw out the rest of the mold. He says, I'm not going to create another one. Just like that, even twins are not exactly identical. That's how powerful and wonderful and precise our God is. Each of us uniquely made. And only he. Only he has the power to define your worth. Those accolades, those awards and all of that stuff, that is not your worth. Those are your accomplishments, but certainly not your worth. And if you stop at what you've accomplished, you've stopped short of the glory of God. The world has defined our worth, but only God can really do it. So the first step in repentance is this, my brothers and sisters, humble yourselves before God. In other words, you're you're, you're relying only on him for everything. He's the only one who defines who you really are. Stop worrying about the world, your boss, your mama, your daddy, your spouse, your friends, your family, your neighbors, your peers, everybody. Stop worrying about what they say and think about you and only worry about what God has already said about you. You are an heir, just like his own son, Jesus. You are an heir. You are righteous in his eyes. I'll move on. I'll move on. Here's a second step to repentance. Resist the devil. Duh. Right. Resist the devil. Duh Duh, Broderick. I mean God come on give me something deeper than that. But that is deep. Because I'm not the only one who finds it hard to resist the devil. I don't need this is not a time of confession so I won't ask you all to confess anything. But resisting the devil can only happen under the complete submission of God. In this free world that we live in, the devil is everywhere. So much so, it becomes even harder to protect our families and ourselves in places of the public. What did I just say? We can't even pray for our kids in our own school. I can't if I wanted to come here and pray over Brooke or Broderick, I could get yelled at and asked to leave for doing that publicly with my own child. I'm not comfortable with that. And I'm not saying that's of the devil, but I'm sure he had his hand in there somewhere influencing somebody to make these little laws and rules that that we are governed by resist the devil when we hear that the first thing we think of is what sins that none of us really struggle with right first thing we think of oh i'm not a thief that's the devil yeah i know none of y'all are thieves oh i'm uh, uh, listen i don't get down like that i'm i'm not not freaky deaky i'm not a thought some of y'all know what i'm talking about i didn't say that i just said the the word i didn't say what the word means really so that don't apply to me because i'm i'm just not sexual like that i'm not a drinker i don't drink and i don't smoke bud and all of that stuff or or whatever they call it nowadays so so what you're saying pastor doesn't really apply to me i'm i'm pretty squeaky clean it's pretty easy for me to resist the devil but perhaps you have an eating disorder yeah that's that's old slew for himself in your ear uh, perhaps you're you're addicted to certain things that that are that are taking time away from your family and your friends and doing something quality that you should be doing yeah yeah that's old slufoot himself perhaps you're terrible with your finances well that's you and then maybe some of old slufoot <laughs> We all have things that we struggle with, and those things we struggle with opens a door and leaves us vulnerable to old Slewfoot himself to take us out of the will of God. I I told y'all this was going to be one of those messages that you feel a little bit uncomfortable, and, and maybe that's not everybody. But here's the truth of the matter is, it's extremely difficult to resist the devil in a free world. When I live in what they call one of the most free nations in the entire world where I can do whatever I want. I've seen on the TV where where sisters are like, you know what? You know, because y'all say that women can't breastfeed publicly, we're just going to walk through the streets of New York just like this. I'm serious. There's a documentary they just made. Don't ask me how I know. I think I found it accidentally. I think it's called. I can't remember the name of it. But it's, it has something to do with the female anatomy, if you will. And, and, it, and all it shows, and they kind of blur it out, is women it, starting a movement that started in New York where they're walking around without tops. All to make a point that we should be able to breastfeed publicly. And I say I agree. I think it's the most natural and beautiful thing. That's The, the best milk a baby can get is from its mother's breasts. But there's other ways to make that statement. Because what they didn't consider is the, is, is the man or even woman that's struggling with sexual addiction and how that just messes them up to see flesh like that. What they didn't think about, but when we're in a free world like this, you can do whatever the flip you want to do and it's okay. But you cannot pray mm, in public. I think we got it mixed up and jacked up. I can walk around and make a documentary But doggone it, if I pray, it's going to be some stuff to come. That's a problem, and it makes it hard for us to resist the devil. But let me give you three steps to do it. It's not in your notes, but if you have a pen, write this down. Let me give you three steps. This is really good. This is really good, really easy, really easy. Y'all ready? Here we go. Step one, prayer and devotion. simple, right? You all know that, right? Most people do. If I pray and I read the Bible and I devote, devote my time to Christ, boom, here's where a lot of us miss it. Number two, accountability through fellowship. See, if you're praying by yourself and you only telling yourself and God that you have a certain issue that you're struggling with, only God and you are going to know, and then there's going to be that moment where Slewfoot knows because he overheard you and God have a conversation, and old Slewfoot is going to put something right in front of you. Whatever your addiction is, he's going to put it right in front of you. Bam! And you can be like... I'm struggling, I'm struggling. Well, who do I call to say, hey, I'm struggling? Share my testimony with you all. One of the things, uh, when I became a Christian and I finally began to read this Bible and it became alive to me, you know, back in my day before I knew Christ, I I was a womanizer, man. I was a knucklehead. I thought that this was what it was all about. That was my worth, you know? That was who I was, you know? I was a ladies' man. That was my worth. It was good to be seen with beautiful women. Why? Because I liked what people said when they saw me with beautiful women. And I liked how the beautiful women made me feel. So when I became a Christian, the first thing I did, I said, God, I'm giving up everything sexual about me. I'm not addicted to it, but I like how it makes me feel. And I gave it up, and I became abstinent. As soon as you put that public, you know what happens? Old Sloopers said, oh, I die. Let me see. And he don't just send you anybody. He sent you somebody that you had a good time with and tested me. And what did I do? Had I not had two brothers by the name of Lamar Hardwick and Marcus Harvey in my life that I could call and say, brother. It's rough in here. Call me. Come get me. Help me. Because if you don't, it's going down, Doc. I'm about to put it down. And I called them brothers. And they came and got me. And we didn't leave the parking lot without prayer. And that's the only way I was able to hold on to my innocence until I met that beautiful woman down the hall there named Erica Santiago. It wasn't easy. I was telling a brother the other day how difficult it is to be that way. But without accountability and fellowship, there's nothing you can over, overcome without yourself. See, it has to be you, God, and people. It can't be just you and God. Because old Slewfoot has heard the conversation, and he's going to step in and just throw that one thing at you. Accountability and fellowship is important. Amen. Amen. I hope that helped you all in telling my business. Y'all just like to hear my story. That's why I tell it. So somebody told me that at least. So anyway, here's the third step in resisting the devil. Watch this. Change in lifestyle. You need to look at your crew, man. Do an inventory like, yo, are these people like, do they really care about me? Here's, Here's what, here's how you know. When you decide to live a life that's righteous and live a life that honors God, and all of a sudden you go telling those people, "Hey, hey, you know, I'm living for God. I'm going to Bible study." Like, oh, you, oh, 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 are you doing the church thing now? As soon as they say church thing, yeah, I'll see you when I see you. Because they don't believe what you believe, they don't believe the God you believe. These people aren't there to really hold you accountable to really love on you through this through your transition of growth actually and they don't see what you're doing as a growth opportunity they see it as you just doing the god thing then those people you shouldn't have around you you need to change your lifestyle yeah sure i know some of y'all are really phenomenal dancers i know you got moves but maybe the club ain't for you anymore huh maybe you just need to go to like adult parties whatever in the house or something with christians who still like to party I still like, I mean, y'all know y'all, if y'all were at my wife's little, little get-together, man, we got, you know, we got it busy. We dance, you know what I mean? We still like to dance. Just because I'm Christian don't mean I don't like to party, but I can't do it in the club. See, if I'm around a bunch of y'all, y'all believe the same thing I do. So we just going to dance and we'll stand a certain distance and pop our fingers and, you know, do what we do. It doesn't change that. You just got to change who you're doing that with. Amen? Change your lifestyle. Certain things you used to do, you can't do. That's how you resist the devil. One, prayer and devotion, accountability through fellowship and change in lifestyle. Here's a third point, and then we're wrapping it up here soon. One more point after this. Third thing, be cleansed from sin. How do you cleanse yourself from sin? Here it is. Replace the desire to sin. Replace that with the desire to experience more of God's purity. And here it is. In those moments where you don't have accountability, in those moments when you can't call on your friends, when in those moments where it's just you and God, here's your prayer. God, examine my heart and pluck out any impurities. I need more of you now than ever before. He is on my back right now. If you don't show up, you know what's going to happen. You need to intercede right now in the name of Jesus. Replace this desire. Replace this thing that's in me, this vision, these thoughts that I'm having. Remove them right now in the name of Jesus. I need you to show up. You need to command it. You need to replace the desire to sin with a desire to experience God's purity. And then watch this. And then repeat steps one, two, and three. Prayer and devotion, accountability through fellowship, and change in lifestyle. Always have that on repeat. Do it and repeat, 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 repeat. Keep doing it. Here's the fourth step. We're going, here's the last one right here. You ready? The fourth step in repentance. Ready? Embrace remorse. You know what happens? Remorse for us is situational, circumstantial, and seasonal. In other words, I did something wrong. I felt bad about it in that moment. I feel terrible about it a few months later. I feel bad about it maybe a year later. But, oh, my goodness, if the right opportunity presents itself, oh, baby. And we're not truly remorseful for whatever it was that we did that did not honor God in any way, that did not give glory to God. And what we have to do is feel painfully Flipped upside down on the inside about whatever we did that dishonored God. Watch this. I love what Scripture says here. Man, this is really good. I love what Scripture says here. Watch this. Uh, He says, he says, he says, he says. uh, Chapter 4, verse 9 of James. He says, let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow. And watch this. Deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. In other words, be remorseful when you've come short of the glory of God. And I'm not saying more than the rest of your life, but it should hurt your behind so much that just the thought of doing whatever it was you did again, it troubles you to no end. It's nightmarish. And it should keep you away from wanting to ever, ever be in the presence of something that deep again. Even if it's a, a habit or a true addiction, it needs to be deeply grieving to you. Here's my last thing, and I want to share this with you. Oh, the reason we go back to our old habits and sin in many cases is because we lack authentic remorse. I want to read this to you, and then we're done. You'll find this on the bottom of your notes. Repentance, and I want you to have this. You can cut the bottom part off and put it on your mirror, write it in your car, but this is going to help you. This is going to help you to understand what repentance is. Here it is. Repentance is about a change of mind about God and myself. I change my mind about God. I come to accept that he is the master of my life. I change my mind about myself myself. And I come to accept that I am responsible to God for my past, for my present, and my future. And the change in my mind, and I should have, I left out heart. In my mind and in my heart leads to change in my lifestyle. The change in my mind and in my heart leads to a change in my lifestyle. And my brothers and sisters, that is freedom in repentance